New Testament, this entire year, walking through the Gospels, walking through the New Testament. For those joining us, maybe not familiar with what's going on, we're reading five chapters a week. January 1st, Matthew 1 through 5, right? And just working all the way through. Now what's fun is we've nailed the synoptic Gospels. This week you'll be reading the last three chapters of Luke, 22, 23, 24, rounding that out, which should be meaningful, right? Passion Week, Lent, Palm Sunday, Easter, all of that. Wonderful. You'll have read all of those in the synoptic Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now we're moving in to John, so Luke 22, 23, 24, and then John 1 and 2. So I am going to uh, uh, leverage this morning the opportunity the opportunity to speak to you from the book of John. What I love about John and his writing is uh, several things. He was inner circle. Jesus had 12 disciples. At one point, there were 500 people on a mountain with him. I mean, he had people traveling with him. A group of women are listed as being with Jesus. But he had this inner circle of three, Peter, James, and John. John was this guy. John's inner circle. In his own writings, as you read the book of John, you're going to hear him refer to himself as John the Beloved, John the one Jesus loved. He won't even often refer to himself by name. He'll just say the one Jesus loved, the disciple Jesus loved. We could probably get some, some traction out of that, couldn't we? Wouldn't be a bad thing for us to apply in our own life. But that's how he refers to himself. Very inner circle. Now, Jesus dies ballpark A.D. 30. I'll just, I'll just do even tens, okay? A.D. 30, Jesus dies. 20 years later, A.D. 50, ballpark A.D. 50, Mark is written. Luke and Matthew follow a few years after that. And then, 50, uh, 30 years later, Around 880, John writes. So Jesus dies at 30. The three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are 50, A.D. 50, 20 years later. And then 50 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, John writes. Rough, give or take, but that's ballpark. 50 years later, why do I love that? Well, because he was old. And wise. And had perspective. Perspective. I've written several books. I look at some of the books I wrote early on in ministry. They weren't bad. There's a couple parts I'm like, hmm, could have done without that. Or, <laughs> this is a funny aside, there's a story of the single man that's traveling around and giving parenting advice. He's doing seminars. He's traveling all over the country giving seminars on the Ten Commandments of Parenting. Ten Commandments of Parenting. And then he gets married and has kids. He continues to give these seminars, but the titles change. What was, what, you know, what would have been the Ten Commandments of Parenting is now Ten Suggestions for Parenting. Ten thoughts on parenting a little bit later, right? And then I'm having a seminar, could anyone help me with parenting, right? The entire deal. 
So as you get perspective moving along down the line, you learn things. You understand things. We've said it. I don't know if it's true. You got youth or wisdom. Which one do you want, right? Youth or wisdom, right? And so when we gather this wisdom, he's able to sit down and write. Fifty years later, with a spectrum of perspective, and bring us things that are powerful. I love the book of John for that reason. I'd like to dive in right away to John chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 9 through 13. If you have a Bible, please pull that open. Go to your phone, whatever that may be. John chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. As you're turning there, we talk about Matthew being a book where Jesus is Messiah King. Mark being a book where Jesus is Messiah Servant. And Luke being a book where Jesus is Messiah Man. John writes, he is the Son of God. John's writings look at Christ as Son of God. And that's actually what the title would be today, Born of God. I want to talk to you today about being born of God, being born of God. When you look at the genealogies in Matthew, it's written in a particular direction. And also, it's the kings. I have three brothers. If I was the actual father of the child, but my brother was the king, in Matthew's genealogy, my brother would be named. Because he's looking at Jesus as Messiah King. When Luke writes the genealogy, it's backwards. It's the opposite direction as Matthew. Has its reasons for that as well. John's genealogy is simply this, and many of you might even be able to quote it. Aren't you thankful that you don't have to memorize Matthew's genealogy? Biggest amen of the day. Yeah. John's genealogy is this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's the genealogy. That's it. That's the entire thing. All that Matthew did for an entire chapter, John did in one verse. He's the son of God. Let's look at verse 9. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Let's just pause and think about this. I know we can zip through these, and that's what these Sunday messages are about. They're about causing us to pause, pump the brakes a little bit, Think about this. The true light that gives light to everyone. Everyone. The idea is that Jesus gives light to everyone. His mission is to everyone. There are churches and businesses that market and target particular populations. Right? You've got to be this age group, uh, female, uh, left-handed, you know, the whole, like that, that's the whole thing that they market to. He markets to everyone. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Opportunity. 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 Every day is an opportunity for the gospel. Why? Because people don't recognize him. That's the whole idea. That's the premise of everything I've learned in the last several years about addiction. 
It's simply our desire to meet these core needs and we meet them the wrong way. Jesus is the ultimate acceptance. The sense of belonging when he wraps his arms around us is ultimate. And the community that we feel when we are in his body, nothing like it. And the redemption and purpose that happens in our lives when he commissions us. Nothing like it. Am I right or am I up here on my own? Anybody else experience that? His love, his acceptance. Nothing like it. People don't recognize that. They have an opportunity to be born of God. Verse 11, he came to that which was his own, and his own did not receive him. That still happens today. That's why there's a church. That's why this body, we, believers in body, to help people see him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children of God, born of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. I want to read that again. Children born not of natural descent. Ready for this one? Not of human decision. When we're born of God, it's not because we decided. That'll mess around with you a little bit. That's why I'm up here today. Born of God, not of natural descent, not of human decision, not of some person's will, but born of God. As I read through John chapter 1, it's interesting to me because there are these introductions that happen. And you'll read that this week. It'll be Thursday. In fact, Wednesday's podcast, we already recorded it. It'll drop on Wednesday morning. It's going to be John chapter 1, talking about some of of these things. There were these introductions that happened. The book of John, Bible confusing, right? Sometimes the Bible's a bit confusing. I mean, who in the world? Elijah and Elisha, really? Did they have to be named like that? I mean, like those guys? It had to be that close? And John is true here. you got John writing, and then he talks about John showing up, which is John the baptizer, John the Baptist. So you've got that going on. John the baptizer shows up. And John the baptizer, John the Baptist, has a following. He has people that are following him. He introduces them to Jesus. You'll read it in John chapter 1. He's walking along. You see, the Spirit tells him. We could read it, but I'll let you read it this week. The Spirit tells John, you're going to know who it is. I'm going to show you. Don't let that be lost on us. It's the Spirit that shows us who to introduce to him. It's the Spirit that shows us who to introduce to him. Not a decision of man. It's the Spirit who told John, I'll let you know who it is. And John's out there one day, and he's got a group of followers. And it says Jesus comes along, and something triggers in him. And he looks over, and he says, hey, fellas, 
That's the guy I was talking about. And do you know what these guys do? They're like, sweet, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> like, shake his hand and go follow Jesus. He totally emptied his church right there. Right? That'd be like, we're all in here, and I'm John the Baptist. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Look out, look, look, look out there. Look out there. Look, look quick. Everyone look out. I'm like, that's the guy I've been preaching about. And everyone leaves. The only redeeming part of that is I get the rest of the baked goods. Yeah, that's the only redeeming part of that. I get to take them all home for myself. But everybody leaves. They all go. He tells Andrew. Andrew finds Jesus and tells Peter. You see how that works? Spirit tells John. John tells Andrew. Andrew tells Peter. One of my favorite. I, 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 I love this. One of my favorite. I don't even think I told the guys to put it up here. I'll just, I'll just read it to you. Verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother and tell him. And I love this. We have found him. We have found him. We found the Messiah. Now, this is only to stir us, provoke us, and maybe prompt us a little bit. In our culture of having done this our entire life, it's easy to let that roll right off. If you have church background, church lingo, Christianese, there's this new convert thing, right? That new convert thing. Right? That new convert thing when they're all just fired up. Well, they'll get over it. Right? Oh. I don't want to ever get over it. And I'm pretty sure I'm not ever going to get over it. Because I am really dialed in to how bad off I am. I'm really dialed in to how much I need him every day. You just aren't making enough mistakes. <laughs> or being honest about your mistakes, I guess. I don't know. Or maybe your metric is wrong. and You need to look at what's going on in here. I don't know. The stuff that's in here helps me know I need him. All the time. Spirit tells John the Baptist. John tells Andrew. Andrew tells Peter. He says, bro, we have found him. We found him. We found the Messiah. God's going to lead us into those spaces. And it's as simple as this. Chris has a problem. And either he comes to me, I'm there, something. There's an intersection. I have an answer. You know, the joke is, little guys are downstairs today. If you all knew what was happening with uh, Lucy and Jessica downstairs with the guys, the room would be half full. Like, you would be totally down there. They're doing such super cool, fun things with the littles. I get pictures every Sunday. Question to the little guys. Okay, let's play a game. I'm going to describe something, and you tell us what it is. Little, gray, bushy tail, lives in a tree. 
hand goes up, and the answer is Jesus. Because the answer is always Jesus in Sunday school. It's always Jesus. Right? The answer is Jesus. It's always Jesus. Ready for this? The answer is always Jesus. The answer is always Jesus. And friends, what I want to remind us of today is we have found him. Now the reality, if we're splitting hairs, is he found us. And we can bring that message to someone. Actually, the entire book of John is an introduction. The entire point of the book is an introduction. And I'm not just kind of pulling that out in some pastoral sermon analogy. Like, John says it. John chapter 20. There are 21 chapters in John. I'd like them to put up John chapter 20, verse 31. It's the last verse of chapter 20. 21 chapters in the book of John. John tells us, this is one of the reasons I love the book. Not only is he the elder, not only has he been around forever, not only was he inner circle and saw the whole thing play out and not chasing all the rabbit trails that we chase when we're young and trying to and he just saw perspective and he said, he said, these are written. What does that mean? He said, I wrote this book. This book is written that you may, and he gives us two things. He said, Jesus did all kinds of signs. All kinds of things. He'll tell you, the world couldn't even contain the books that would be written of all the good things Jesus did. He did all these things, but I've chosen these signs. Can you get in John's head? Can you recognize? He's like sitting there. He's like, I feel like I need to write. I feel like I need to write something. And and he selected seven signs of all the things that he knew, of all the things that Jesus did. He said, these seven, these are written that you may, one, believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and, number two, by believing, you may have life in his name. The entire book of John, the seven signs that he shares, and half of the book is the last week of Jesus' life. Half of the 21 chapters is the last week of Jesus' life. You'll be able, you're allowed to read ahead if you want this month. For Easter, the last week of his life. He drew down on what he thought was important. He said, these seven are so you believe he's the Messiah, Son of God. And that through faith in his name, you have what? Life. Eternal life. The entire book is an introduction. He changed water into wine in John 2. Healed the official son in 4. The paralytic at the pool. In five, 5,000 with the loaves and fish in six, also in six. He walked on the water, healed a man that was born blind, and then the seventh was Lazarus. He picked those seven to introduce us to Jesus so that we could believe in who he is. And that in that faith, what happens? We are born of God. Born of God into new life. I'm sure you've heard it said, some ascribe it to Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. You see, you say it with your words, but you also say it with your life. 
You think you're dating yourself with blessed assurance. Watch this. Saturday morning, 9 o'clock, we roll out. Dropped off in neighborhoods, two and three at a time, sometimes four and five of us, which had to be super scary to the people answering the door. Cold call. Cold call. Heidi, you want to come to church, right? Canvassing, we called it. Outreach, witnessing, right? That whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Amen, sister. Yeah. We would just go around and knock on doors. Just, just, just. There's something to be said about throwing a net. Just not my style. I found it. Uh, let me give you my track record on that. That door knocking thing. Uh, how many? Hundreds of doors? Thousands of doors? As far as I know, none. As far as I know. Now, how many, Dana, does it take? 30 touches? Is that what, is that what we... 39 touches. Maybe it was one of the 39 touches. And if God leads me to do that, I've done that before, where I just went to someone, walked across a restaurant, stopped someone up by their car. That awkward thing, excuse me, this is weird, I'm not a creepy guy. I know the creepy guy telling you it's not a creepy guy isn't really that helpful. But I, I just felt like prompted to come over and, you know, Sometimes I might say I'm a pastor, sometimes not. I, I, you know, we're talking about being born of God, prompted by the Spirit, led by the Lord. What I feel, and I'm excited about today, is that I believe that we in this room will have opportunities these next three weeks. Palm Sunday, Easter, and Baptism Sunday. I felt that strong this morning, yesterday. That we'll have opportunities these next three weeks. And this message is to encourage us to open our eyes a bit more. Listen a bit more clearly. Be aware and attentive to where the Spirit's leading us. So that folks in these next three weeks can be born of God. And do you know why? Because we found Him. That's why found him that's not just a banner salvation is not just a banner freedom is not just a banner anybody been bound by shame just crippled broken though it's not just the sin you're freed from the writer of Hebrews says he delivers us from the weight and the sin the weight. And I don't have to have that anymore. I don't have to live under shame because there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. I don't have to live like that. And I can share that with people that haven't heard that yet and need it and have an ear to hear it. My thoughts this morning went to a pastor in Atlanta. His name's Andy Stanley. And I heard years ago he was talking to his congregation and he basically said this. He said, if you hear anyone making a transition statement, walk into that space. Transition statement like, just moved here, just got married, just got a new job, 
just started school, whatever. Transition statements. Just be attentive to that. Just be attentive to people when they're in transitional places that you can walk in and be an Andrew. You can walk in. You're not drawing them to you. John lost his whole church. But he did what he was supposed to do. And in the editorial of Jesus Christ about John, he turned to a crowd while John was in prison. Turned to a crowd and said, of men born among women, there's none greater than John. You mean the guy that just lost his, dumped his whole church? That guy? Yeah, none greater. Why? Listened? Obeyed? Went with it? And Andrew that's going to find where God directs, go to his brother and say, hey man, we have found him. Use words. Use your life. Let it just be. Be aware. And as you think of names and faces, I want you to remember this. Because you may already be doing that. You might be thinking, oh, that person, this person. I had a conversation conversation just this week. You can think like that. But as you think of names and faces, I want you to remember this. You will never be the initiator. You'll be the responder. John 6, 44. Again, book of John. Would you throw that up there, Eli? No one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. You will never be the initiator in a conversion. It has never happened that we'll get together on first Wednesday after first Wednesday prayer and go, okay, who should we target? Anybody got any ideas? And we'll pick somebody. We think they are ripe, low-hanging fruit, and we're going to pick them, and we're going to go after them. That has never happened. It's happened. (laughs) But that wasn't what Jesus was doing, right? He is always there first. No one comes unless the Father draws them. I find that incredibly comforting, Brian. When I am sitting across a restaurant and feel prompted to go speak to someone, or whatever that scenario may be, that moment where it's like, uh, excuse me, hi, that moment, right, that, that thing, that I'm not the first one there. I'm always late to that party. Jesus was always there first. The Father and the Spirit, they're always drawing first. Before the thought, the prompting came to you to even look over there and sense something, He was there. Now, not only, there's two things here, not only does He draw them, what else does it say? Second line. The Father who sent me. Both of those things are happening. There is a drawing. We're talking about being born of God. There is a drawing on people's hearts. And there is a sending. Now, have you ever had a situation where you felt sent and it was like everything but the door slammed in your face and maybe the door slammed in your face? You ever had that scenario? And you're like, okay, well, I've been wrong before. I guess I might have been wrong this time, too. You know what I found in those situations? Mm, three weeks later, 
Six weeks later, someone else tells you. They'll come back and tell you. I've had people say to me, man, I stiff-armed you in that moment. But I wanted exactly what you were telling me. And it never left me. And even though it looked like I was shut down and absolutely not interested, you were right on time. When the Lord looks at us, what is it he's going to say? Well done, faithful psalmist. Well done, faithful preacher. What's he going to say? Well done, faithful servant. Faithful servant. Faithful one who just hears and like, okay, well, if that's what you'd like me to do, I'll go. Now, what should I say? He tells us. Don't take any thought about what you're going to say. Just show up. The words will come to you when you get there. Does that sound spiritual? That does, doesn't it? That sounds pretty spiritual, doesn't it? You know why? Because it's born of God. It's not the will of man. It's not some decision that we get together and we had as a committee. It's spiritual. Born of God is spiritual. Drawn, sent, the whole thing. I would be remiss to not take us to 1 John chapter 4. He loves us first. We love because he first loved us. When people are born of God, he's the one that initiates. Come on. He's the one that initiates. He's the one that starts the whole thing. Am I the only one? I, I feel like it, I, I, there's a little bit of anxiety in it, you know? I could preach this and have to do it this week and feel a little bit awkward. We're going to a ball game today. We got some tickets to the ISU Illinois State game. So we're going to go to the ball game today. That's the plan. And I could be sitting there and, you know, some fly ball to left field, and all of a sudden I glance over to left field and I see someone sitting there and I feel prompted to go talk to them. And I go, low. hmm, wonder if that was God. Like I just preached it, you know, and I could still feel a little awkward. What I want us to get deep in our spirit, deep in us, deep in us, deeply in us. I, I'd love for everyone to believe that he can do it through you. Well done, good and faithful servant. I'm going to blow an excellent message. I'm just going to give you the punchline right now. I don't even know if I've ever preached it here. Pharaoh had a baker and a butler. Both these guys were in prison. They defended him. They had a dream. Each of them had a dream. The baker had a dream that there was a basket of bread and the birds came and ate all the bread. Three loaves or something like that. The butler had a dream that he had goblets of wine and he was serving Pharaoh, maybe three goblets or something like that. I don't know. Serving Pharaoh. Neither one of them knew what the dream was and they took the dream too. Do you remember the story? They took the dream to Joseph. And Joseph interprets the dream. And he says to the baker, the three loaves or whatever it was, I'm pulling that from memory. The three loaves, whatever it was, are three days. And the birds ate the bread. In three days, the birds will eat your flesh. You're, you're done. <laughs> yeah. He looks to the, to the butler. The three cups are three days. In three days, you'll be restored to serve Pharaoh. 
a baker who produces, a butler who serves. The baker has to die. The butler has to live. It's the servant that lives. That part of us that feels like we have to produce something, that part has three days and out. But it is the servant that is restored to the king. It is the servant that does nothing, doesn't produce a thing, just takes it from here and hands it here. Oh, this is what you have for them, Lord? Okay. Just takes it from here. That's everybody in this room. Hear my voice. Everybody. Takes it from here and hands it here. Go ahead and say it. I don't have the walk with God you have, Andy. Go ahead and say it. It's okay. You have the walk with God that is needed for the person that you're intersecting with. I have the walk with God that's needed for the person I intersect with. We all have that. That's what makes it beautifully the body. We all have those things. We're just in our life. Do you know that people have been converted through my words But do you know what the words were? I don't know. Honestly, before God, it's true. Someone asked me a question, and I'm like, I don't know. And they went off on me. I was pastoring a church out east. They're like, didn't they? They went off on me. They're like, what do you mean you don't know? You're supposed to be the pastor, and like the whole ball-bearing neck thing, and like bobbing and all that. What do you mean you don't know? You're supposed to know. They were going off on me. I'm like, look, I don't know. I don't know. I don't tell you. I don't know. And something about that, what they came back to say was, I felt such pressure to have to know. You have a walk with God and don't know. That opened a whole door for me to have a relationship with God. I'm like, well, good. I'm glad I could be dumb and help you. Like, great. Right? Right? Ignorant of something and help you. Do you see how that works? Sometimes. Isn't it true that sometimes we get things slotted in our minds of how the Lord's going to work? When we have it slotted in our mind of how he's going to work, he's probably not going to work. Just show up. Just be the servant. Just be the conduit. Just be the vessel. This entire book is about introducing people to Jesus so they could be born. In these next three weeks, I believe it. God's going to use us all to find moments of intersection Words, action, presence, where they're born. Born of God. Why? Because we found him. Can, can that be the lead? <laughs> like, why are you talking to me? Why are you, why are you coming up to me? I didn't even approach you. Like, why are you coming to me? And you're thinking, what should I say? What should I say? <laughs> maybe the Lord tells you. Or maybe you just say, because I found him. I was talking to someone this last week, a great guy, a great guy, a man that was one of the first people to be baptized in this church right here in this spot. And his son was killed earlier this year. And that fellow met me out in the hallway this week. I said, hey, man, I hadn't seen him since, since it happened. I prayed for him, talked to his wife, but I hadn't seen him. I said, how you doing, man? He said, I'm not doing good. I need to talk to you. And we talked right there. 
not doing good. I can't figure this out. I don't have any purpose in this. I don't even understand what's going on. Well, good thing Pastor Andy was there with all the answers, huh? Because I looked at him, I said, pal, I don't have any answers for you. That's not the way it's supposed to happen. You're not supposed to lose your kids. I don't have anything for you, buddy. I'd like, I told him, I'd like to have you come into church. I'd like to invite you to come into the sanctuary and be able to sense the presence of God. But you're offended at God, so I don't know that that's going to work. I don't know what to tell you. But what I would say to you, my friend, and this is what I said to him standing out there, I said, pal, when I have these situations happen to me and I don't get it and I don't know what's going on, I got a couple options. I can be mad and over here by myself and isolate, which clearly isn't helpful, or I can move closer to the one that I don't understand. I choose that, man. I told him the story that I've said a thousand times from this pulpit, probably. Jesus looks at Peter and he says, are you going to go also? And Peter says, where are we going to go? I don't understand. I don't understand so many things. But where am I going to go? Why? Because you changed my life. I know that my life was on a trajectory, and I had a moment with Jesus Christ, the Messiah, And my life started going that way. I know that's the truth. That's what I know. I don't know anything about the hurt and the loss. I don't get it. I've got no answers for you, man. I love you. I'm sorry. But I don't know any place else to go. And that conversation ended. And the next day, there was a wedding here. And that man stood right there. And there were people that sang. And I was right there. And I glanced over to him. And if I'm spiritual at all, I glanced over, I sensed and looked over to him, and something cracked. Just something cracked open in his heart. I said, (laughs) probably wouldn't have come to church. Might have been too hard. But in a wedding of his dear friend that was spiritual and people singing. It wasn't Christway people. It was a band from the other church where the bride goes to church. Beautiful. He was right there. Born of God. Born of God. Spiritual. Spiritual. 